Self-love is a topic that has gotten much more attention in recent years, and many people have distinct ideas about what it really means to love oneself. Now, the third of those ideas we'll be thinking about today comes from a man named Jordan Peterson. So listen to his thoughts on how to love oneself properly. So that's rule number one. Um, rule number two is uh, treat yourself like you're someone that you care about. And that, that's a deeper chapter, I would say. Like, chapter one is kind of comical, but it's also got this serious scientific end, for example, and it's practical, like most of the rules are. Chapter two is a bit of a meditation on why... See, I read this, I read this, this piece of work by Jung a long while back, and he, it was a meditation on um, the injunction to treat your neighbor as, as you would like to be treated. Something like that. And what Jung pointed out, which I really liked, was that that wasn't an injunction to be nice to other people. It was an invitation to reciprocity. It was something. All right, let me stop it right here and explain a few words before we continue, because this clip is quite long in comparison to the other ones I play on the podcast. So he starts, this is coming from a speech, and I believe he's talking about his book, 12 Rules for Life. And so he just finished speaking about the first rule, and then he goes on to say, rule number two is treat yourself like someone that you care about. Now, to treat someone in a particular way in this context basically describes the way you behave toward that person or the way you deal with that person. So you might treat somebody very well. You treat them with kindness and respect and positivity and all those good, warm, and fuzzy things, right? Or if you treat somebody very poorly, if you treat someone badly, it's like the opposite. You're mean, you're rude, you're disrespectful, you're, you're short with them or whatever it may be. It's unpleasant behavior toward a particular person. You're treating them in a particular way. So you need to treat yourself like you're someone that you care about. You need to act towards yourself in the same way that you would act towards someone you care about. I'm sure you get the point. So then he goes on to say, this chapter, or no, he says chapter one is kind of comical, but it's also got this serious scientific side. So when he says comical, it just means amusing or funny or slightly absurd or ridiculous meant to make you laugh you know think of a comic book or a comedy a comedic movie a stand-up comedy routine comical comes from the same family of words or ideas i hope that makes sense so let me skip ahead a couple sentences he says i read this piece of work by carl jung which is or was a psychologist and he says it's a meditation on the injunction to treat your neighbor as you would like to be treated. Now, in this case, injunction is something like a command or a call to action, somebody telling you to do something in a particular way. So he read this piece of work by Carl Jung, who was commanding people or calling people to treat their neighbors as they would like to be treated. And what he pointed out in that piece of work was blah, blah, blah. So to point something out, this is a phrasal verb, to point something out means to draw attention to something or to highlight something the same way you would literally do with your finger if you point at something. So imagine you're walking through a mall or a, or a farmer's market or something where lots of products are being sold. And you're walking with your friend and you say, oh, look at that. And you physically raise your arm and point one of your fingers at the thing you want your friend to pay attention to. You are pointing something out. But you can do that figuratively, not just literally. So I might point out that you're very good at this activity. I might point out 
that this thing is happening. I, I don't have a good example off the top of my head, but I can point things out figuratively just with my words. I can highlight things figuratively. And so Jordan's speaking figuratively. He says something like that. And what Jung pointed out, which I really like, was that it wasn't an injunction or a call or a command to be nice to other people. It was an invitation to reciprocity. So reciprocity is the act of uh, exchanging things for mutual benefit. A very simple example I can give you is imagine uh, you give me, I come over to your house and you treat me like a guest, a welcome guest, and you give me an ice cold glass of water. Again, this is just a very simple example. It could be anything, right? Just let's say it's a glass of water. That's a very nice thing to do for a guest who has just arrived at your house. Can I get you something to drink? Can I get you something to eat, right? Do you need anything? Is there anything I can do to make you feel more at home? That's basically what you might ask to somebody who is a guest in your home. And so now that I've been to your home and you've treated me so well, given me a nice glass of water, I'm feeling the need to do something nice for you. Because you've done something nice for me, I feel the need to reciprocate. You see? To return the favor. It's another way of saying the same thing. So reciprocity describes the act of returning the favor, describes the act of reciprocating. Reciprocate is the verb. Reciprocity is the noun that describes that idea, okay? Hopefully, that makes some kind of sense. So now that I've explained all the important words and phrases from that part of the clip, I'm going to go back a little bit and we'll continue. Like you're someone that you care about. And that, that's a deeper chapter, I would say. Like, chapter one is kind of comical, but it's also got this serious scientific end, for example, and it's practical, like most of the rules are. Chapter two is a bit of a meditation on why... See, I read this, I read this, uh, this piece of work by Jung a long while back, and he, it was a meditation on um, the injunction to treat your neighbor as, as you would like to be treated. Something like that. And what Jung pointed out, which I really liked, was that that wasn't an injunction to be nice to other people. It was an invitation to reciprocity. It was something like this. It's like, you should figure out how you would like to be treated, like you were taking care of yourself, not how you would like people to respond to you. It's, it's more important than that. It's like, imagine you had a child that you really cared for, and, and someone said, well, people will treat this child exactly like you want them to, but you have to figure out what that is. And so then you'd have to sit down for like a month and you'd think, okay, well, how do you want your child to be treated? You don't want everyone just to be nice to him, you know, you want people to challenge him and you want people to discipline him and you want people to tell him when he's wrong. It's like, you don't just want everyone to be nice. That's, that's pathetic. It's pathetic. There's, there's no challenge in that. And so, well, you want to treat other people like you would like to be treated. Well, then you have to figure out how would you like to be treated? All right, my friends. Now, before we continue, I just want to summarize the main idea before Jordan slightly switches gears or changes subjects. Because he's not going to change subjects, but he is going to move forward with his ideas. So, in this first part of the clip, he's saying, rule number two from his book is essentially treat yourself like someone that you care about. A lot of people struggle with this concept. A lot of people treat other people better than they treat themselves, which Jordan is going to touch on in this clip. So he's starting by saying, listen, it's not about being nice to yourself. Just imagine that you had a child and you could decide how people treat that child. The world is going to treat this child however you want the child to be treated, but you have to decide 
how that child wants to be treated. Now think about yourself that way. And he's not saying, think about how you want people to respond to you, which is something different. He's saying, how do you want people to treat you generally? In your day-to-day life, when you're walking around, how would you like to be treated? And Jordan is saying, you might want people to challenge you or discipline you or tell you when you're wrong. It's not just about being nice because that's pathetic. There's no challenge in that. There's no growth. You won't grow as a person without adversity, without people or the world challenging you at some point. And so then he brings it back to square A. He brings it back to his initial idea. You need to treat yourself like somebody you care about. So how would you treat somebody you care about? You really need to sit down and figure that out. That, to me, is the main idea of the first part of this clip. And he's going to continue this idea now. All right, so let me go back a few seconds and we'll continue. Be nice to him, you know, you want people to challenge him and you want people to discipline him and you want people to tell him when he's wrong. It's like, you don't just want everyone to be nice. That's, that's pathetic. It's pathetic. There's, there's no challenge in that. And so, well, you want to treat other people like you would like to be treated. Well, then you have to figure out how would you like to be treated? And while you'd like people to fawn all over you and just lay everything at your feet, it's like, no, that's, that's not something you'd wish for for someone that you were taking care of. All right, so like I said, he's continuing his idea here, and he says, you want other, no, what did he say? And so, well, you want to treat other people like you would like to be treated. Well, then you have to figure out how would you like to be treated. And while you would like people to fawn all over you and just lay everything at your feet, it's like, no, that's not something you'd wish for, for someone that you were taking care of. Now, that's a lot of words, so let me try to simplify this here. He's saying, when you sit down to think about how you would like to be treated, you might really appreciate the idea of people fawning all over you. This is not something you're going to hear every day, but, you know, it is a very uh, specific, advanced phrase that you can use from time to time. To fawn all over someone basically means to uh, flatter them excessively or give them excessive amounts of attention almost with the the feeling that they're better than you i don't know if that's i might not need to say that but the the basic idea is like to give somebody an excessive amount of love and attention and affection and flattery this it's very similar to the way that a lot of people do with famous people right imagine your favorite 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 of all favorite singers or actors or rock stars or athletes or whoever it may be that person that just makes you go back to a fucking childlike state get all excited oh my god oh my god Ah!" right and then you just throw yourself at this person can i get a picture can i get an autograph oh my god i can't believe it's you you're fawning all over this person i hope that makes some kind of sense hopefully me describing that situation helps you understand the idea of fawning all over somebody so getting back to what jordan was saying You might like people to fawn all over you and just lay everything at your feet. And when he says lay everything at your feet, he means uh, literally and figuratively. Because to lay an object on the ground basically means to put it on the ground, but carefully. You're not just going to, like, let me see, you're not just going to throw it on the ground. You place it carefully on the ground, right? And so to lay everything at your feet, he just think about, like... um, the way that people used to do with kings. When, they, when you go to a, into a kingdom, 
and you visit the king and you bring gifts out of respect or whatever, admiration, I don't know. And you literally lay the gifts at the feet of the king, right in front of his feet. Now, if you put that into a normal context today, 2024, laying everything at your feet is more figurative. Just doing everything for you, giving you a bunch of free shit, treating you like a king, essentially, and fawning all over you. While you might like that, even though you might like that, it's like, no, that's not something you'd wish for, for someone you were actually taking care of. He's saying if you truly love somebody, you wouldn't wish that the world just treated them like a king and like they're perfect and gave them a bunch of free shit and was just nice to them all the time. What Jordan is saying is you wouldn't really want that for your children because then they would forever be in this childlike state. They would never be prepared for reality. You understand? Because in real life, that shit just doesn't happen. For me and you, for normal people, people are fawning all over us, laying everything at our feet. And we wouldn't want that. We wouldn't want that. And that's what Jordan is saying here in the clip, if you ask me. So I'm going to go back a few seconds, play that part again, and we'll continue. It's like you don't just want everyone to be nice. That's, that's pathetic. It's pathetic. There's, there's no challenge in that. And so, well, you want to treat other people like you would like to be treated. Well, then you have to figure out how would you like to be treated. And while you'd like people to fawn all over you and just lay everything at your feet, it's like, no. That's, that's not something you'd wish for for someone that you were taking care of. And then, then there's an additional problem, which is it's often the case that people will treat other people better than they treat themselves. That happens extremely frequently. So one of the things I pointed out in chapter 2 was that if you have a dog and you take him to a vet and the vet gives you your pres the prescription medicine, you'll go buy the medicine and you will give it to the dog and you will do it properly. Okay. So Jordan's moving on with his idea and he's touching on that thing I mentioned earlier, which is some people will actually treat themselves better. No, I said that wrong. Some people will treat other people better or even their animals, their pets, than they treat themselves. And so he goes on to give an example of that. If you have a dog and you take him to a vet. Now you often hear people say vet, V-E-T, which is short for veterinarian, which is basically a doctor who specializes in treating animals. Okay veterinarian or vet for short it's very very common now i don't want to confuse you but in a different context vet the same exact word v-e-t can be short for veteran which is typically somebody who has served in the military but that's a different context just don't want to confuse you all right but that you know real english radio um anyway so if you go to a vet a veterinarian in this case a veterinarian excuse me a veterinarian in this case, and the vet gives you prescription medicine. Now, prescription medicine is just the medicine that is prescribed by the doctor, and you can only get it with that prescription from the doctor. So you take the prescription, you go to a pharmacy, and you say, I'd like to fill this prescription, please. And then they give you a capsule with some pills in it, right? So if you have a dog and you take him to the vet, and the vet gives you the prescription medicine, you'll actually go buy the medicine, and you will give it to the dog properly. But if the medicine is for you, something different might happen. So that's what Jordan is about to talk about in this part of the clip. So here we go. That happens extremely frequently. So one of the things I pointed out in chapter two was that if you have a dog and you take him to a vet and the vet gives you your pres the prescription medicine, you'll go buy the medicine and you will give it to the dog and you will do it properly. But if you go yourself to a doctor and you get a prescription, there's one that 
there's a 30% chance you won't even pick up the medication. And if you do, there's a 50% chance that you won't administer it to yourself properly. All right. If, th if that's true, man, that's some, that's some dark shit when you really think about it. Like, you'll take your animal to the doctor, get the prescription medicine, fill the prescription, and then give the medicine to your dog properly. But there's a 30% chance that you won't even go get the medicine for yourself. A 50% chance that you won't give it to yourself properly. That's dark, bro. That's dark, you know? <laughs> but what I, the reason I stopped is to explain the phrasal verb pick up. I'm sure you've heard this tons of times, but just in case you forgot, just in case it's been a while since you've heard it or whatever, in this case, to pick up medication essentially means to, um, to purchase or collect or, or take possession of the medication. Those are not necessarily the most natural ways of saying the same thing, but they express the same idea. So in its essence, let's imagine you have a dog. There's a very high chance that you will take it to the doctor, get the proper medicine, and then give that medicine to the dog properly. But if the medicine is for you, if you're feeling sick, even if you go to the doctor and get the prescription, there's a 30% chance that you won't even go actually buy the medicine. And then there's a 50% chance that if you buy it, you won't give it to yourself properly. That is some dark shit, bro. <laughs> like it seems like, oh, wow, that's ridiculous. But when you really stop and think about what somebody has to feel internally about themselves, for that to be true, uh, it's dark. Let's, uh, let's move on. I don't want to get stopped on that one point. Or stuck, I should say. I don't want to get stuck on that one point. Let's continue with this clip. Here we go. Buy the medicine, and you will give it to the dog, and you will do it properly. But if you go yourself to a doctor and you get a prescription, there's, one that, there's a 30% chance you won't even pick up the medication. And if you do, there's a 50% chance that you won't administer it to yourself properly. And so I really thought about that. When I first came across that statistic, it really, it was another one of those little facts. I thought, what the hell's up with that? It's like, you'll do it for your dog, so obviously you'll do it for something you care about, and you're conscientious enough so you'll actually do it. So like, why wouldn't you do it for you? Your dog likes you, you know, even your dog would rather that you did, but, but you don't. You don't. And, and it's, it's actually one of the reasons that modern medicine doesn't work nearly as well as it could, because people just don't take their medication. And it's not only because they don't take care of themselves. There's some skepticism about doctors, but you could be just as skeptical about the vet. So it's a deep meditation, I would say. And it's what I've done with these rules is they're very simple rules, and they're, they're kind of comical and tongue-in-cheek in some ways. But what I've tried to do is like pull them apart and show what's underneath them and to go down as deep as I possibly can. And in rule two, it's a bit of a meditation on why people don't like themselves very much. All right. So Jordan finishes that part of his idea by saying chapter two of his book is a deep meditation on why people don't like themselves very much. So he says that some of the rules in the book are kind of comical. We talked about that word, right? And then he says some of them are tongue in cheek, which literally makes absolutely no sense. But if something is tongue in cheek, it's three words, tongue, that pink thing in your mouth, <laughs> in, like inside, cheek, okay? Tongue in cheek. If something is tongue in cheek, it means that it is delivered or given or said with a playful intention. It's kind of ironic or sarcastic, right? It's not meant to be taken 
seriously, even if it sounds serious. That's something that's tongue in cheek. So I believe, um, I believe one of the book, one of the rules in his book, Twelve Rules for Life, is like don't bother kids while they're skateboarding. Now that sounds like a serious demand. Leave kids alone when they're skateboarding, but it's not meant to be taken so seriously. There's just, there's something deeper underneath what he's saying that should be understood, right? That might not be the best example of something that is tongue in cheek, but hopefully. With the context of what he's saying and my short little explanation, it makes some kind of sense. So if I say something that is tongue-in-cheek, it just means that even though it sounds serious, it's not meant to be taken seriously. I'm kind of being playful and ironic, you know? So some of the rules in his book are comical, some are tongue-in-cheek in some ways, but what he's tried to do in the book is pull them apart, figuratively in this case. It can mean literally to pull something apart, to separate it into pieces by pulling it, but figuratively basically means to, to analyze it in detail or to examine it with great attention to detail. Similar to break something down. If you pull something apart to see what's going on or to understand it better, similar to saying to break something down to analyze it in more detail. All right, hopefully I'm not confusing you here. So he says, I try to pull them apart and show what's underneath them, meaning show what's on a deeper level. Not just what's on the surface and what you see and hear and think immediately, but let's go below the surface and analyze these things and see what's underneath the surface, right? So then he goes on to say, rule two is a meditation on why people don't like themselves, and he thinks that there are two reasons, and that's what he's about to talk about now. So here we go. Skeptical about the vet. So it's a deep meditation, I would say, and it's what I've done with these rules is they're very simple rules, and they're, they're kind of comical and tongue-in-cheek in some ways, but what I've tried to do is like pull them apart and show what's underneath them and to go down as deep as I possibly can. And in rule two, it's a bit of a meditation on why people don't like themselves very much. And I think there's two reasons, really, and one is that we're, we're fragile and damageable and imperfect in multiple dimensions all the time and that often just gets worse it gets lots of things get worse as you get old for example so it's not necessarily that easy for a self-conscious being who's extraordinarily aware of his or her own fragility and but not just fragility um, um, foolishness and errors his, like you know yourself better than anyone else knows you and all right before we get too far into this clip let me stop and explain a few things because he says a lot of people dislike themselves for two reasons. And one is that we're fragile and damageable and imperfect in multiple dimensions all the time. Talk about depressing, bro. So fragile is something that is easily broken. If you speak a Latin-based language, you probably recognize this word, right? Fragile. And damageable is something that can be damaged or is capable of being damaged. Imperfect is the opposite of perfect. So we are easily broken, we are easily damaged, and we are imperfect across multiple dimensions all the time. We are deeply flawed individuals. That's what he's saying. But we are also, um, how can we say, we are deeply self-conscious beings, meaning we are deeply, I said that weird, meaning... <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little sick, by the way, recovering from a sickness, so if my voice sounds weird, now you know why. But anyway, he's saying that we are deeply self-aware. We are deeply self-conscious beings, these living things, right? 
And uh, let me go on to what he said next. He said, it's not just that, but we're also aware of our foolishness. We're also aware of all the errors and all the mistakes that we make. Now, foolishness is just uh, the opposite of wisdom. So if you are wise, you make good decisions. If you are foolish, you make not very good decisions, right? You make foolish decisions, silly or dumb, something that's lacking good judgment or that doesn't have good sense, you know? So we are deeply aware of our flaws, our imperfections, right? Our fragility, how easily damaged we are. Can't fucking talk today. Um, and we're also aware of how fucking stupid we are sometimes, right? We make deeply dumb decisions. Many times we do it consciously. I know I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to do it. I know I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it. I know I shouldn't buy that, but I'm going to buy it. We're fucking dumb. We're dumb. And then he goes on to say, like, listen, you know more about yourself than anybody knows about you. So you are aware of each and every one of your stupid ass mistakes, your foolish decisions. And that's part of the reason you might not like yourself very much, right? So that's the idea. Now let's continue. Worse as you get old, for example. So it's not necessarily that easy for a self-conscious being who's extraordinarily aware of his or her own fragility and, but not just fragility, um, um, foolishness and errors, his, like you know yourself better than anyone else knows you. And, you know, you, you might have a certain amount of uh, dislike for someone you know because of something they did, but you know everything you did. Jesus, that's a drag, man. You know, you have to carry that along behind. It's like, really, I did that, you know? All right, one word I want to explain here, or a, a, yeah, a term, a phrase, a word, a drag. It's two words, right? A drag. If something is a drag, it just means it's very, uh, it's, it's boring, it's unpleasant, it's tiresome, it just makes you feel like, oh, fuck it, hey. You know? Like, if I had to express verbally the way you feel, when something is a drag, it's just like, oh, Jesus Christ, here we go, fucking hey, it's a drag, man. Imagine this big heavy weight pulling on your shirt behind you and it's stuck to your shirt and you have to drag it down the street. It's 43 degrees outside and you have to drag this 30 kilo burden behind you as you walk down the street. It's just like, oh, fucking hey, it's a drag, man. So thinking about all the stupid shit that you've done, all the dumb things that you're aware of, all the dumb things that you've done, I can't say it any other way, all the stupid things you've done in this life, you're aware of each and every one of them. And being aware of that all the time is a drag, man. It's just like, oh, I'm so fucking dumb, so fucking stupid, making these foolish mistakes, blah, blah, blah. It's a drag, man. All right. Now, a drag isn't necessarily something you're going to hear every day, but it would not be strange if you said it. So it's good to know. So let's continue. Foolishness and errors, his, like you know yourself better than anyone else knows you. And, you know, you, you might have a certain amount of uh, dislike for someone you know because of something they did, but you know everything you did. Jesus, that's a drag, man. You know, you have to carry that along behind. It's like, really, I did that, you know? And then, so there's that. It's like you're, you're weak and kind of useless and prone to temptation. And you know all those things, you know, that just shouldn't be that way. And then you're also capable of pretty vicious acts of malevolence. And so you also know that about yourself. And so... All right, getting darker and darker here. So Jordan says, 
listen, that's a drag. It's such a drag to think about all the stupid things you've done in this life and you carry that with you everywhere you go. And it's not only that, you're also pretty weak and you're prone to temptation. He says you're weak and kind of useless and prone to temptation. So if you are prone to something in particular, it means that you are very likely to do that thing or you are inclined to do that thing. Right? So if you are prone to temptation, it means that it, there's a high chance you will give in to temptation or you will fall victim to temptation or you will indulge in temptation. There's a very high chance you're going to do that. If you are prone to anger, it means that there's a high chance you're going to get angry. Right? If you are prone to... Damn, why don't I have any other examples, my friend? You get the point, right? If you're prone to this action or this feeling, there's a high chance you are going to take that action or feel that feeling, okay? Jesus, I hope that makes some kind of sense, but let's, let's continue. So you're weak and you're kind of useless and you're prone to temptation and you know all these things about yourself and you also know you should not be that way. And you also know that you're pretty vicious or you're capable, excuse me, you're capable of pretty vicious acts of malevolence. Now, three words I want to explain here. The first one is pretty, which in certain contexts can mean attractive. A woman can be very pretty, similar to saying she's beautiful, right? Pretty typically is not as strong as beautiful, if you ask me, but in that context, that's basically what it means. But in other contexts, when you put the word pretty before another adjective, the word pretty takes on a different meaning. It just means uh, moderately or fairly. So if something is pretty vicious, means it's moderately vicious. If it's pretty hot in here, it's moderately hot. It's not blazing, but it's also not cool. It's pretty, it's pretty hot. Or that movie was pretty good. Uh, it's, it's pretty good. It wasn't bad. It wasn't fantastic. It was pretty good, right? Pretty good. You know, moderately, fairly good. I hope that makes sense. So you're also capable of pretty vicious acts of malevolence. Now, vicious basically means cruel or violent. You see, so you're capable of very cruel and violent acts of malevolence. Now, malevolence just means something that is bad or evil. So if you are capable of an act of vicious malevolence, it means that you are capable of doing some very cruel and violent, dark, bad things to other people. And you are aware of that. You know that about yourself. And for that reason, you might not like yourself. I believe that's what Jordan is saying here. So let me go back a few seconds and we'll continue. And so there's that. It's like you're, you're weak and kind of useless and prone to temptation. And you know all those things, you know, that just shouldn't be that way. And then you're also capable of pretty vicious acts of malevolence. And so you also know that about yourself. And so it's a real existential question for people. It's like, why the hell should you take care of something as sorry and wretched as you are? And that's really what the chapter is about. It's because the answer in the chapter is, yeah, 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 you know, you're, first of all, yes, you're pretty useless and terrible, but so is everyone else. And that's actually an existential problem, right? And what I mean by that, it's a problem that every human being has always had in always will. So it's not just you. It's a universal problem. And that there's, there's an answer to that. And one of them is to, uh, what is it to say, love the sinner but hate the sin. It's something like that, is that despite the fact that you're not all that you could be, the proper attitude to have towards yourself is the attitude that you would have towards someone that you genuinely cared for. And that it's incumbent on you to act as if you genuinely care for yourself. Just like you would act 
towards someone that you actually cared about, some other person. It's okay, so Jordan is at the end of saying all that dark shit. He's like, listen, it's not just you. This is a universal problem that we're all kind of weak and useless and prone to temptation and capable of pretty vicious acts of malevolence. We do a lot of stupid shit, right? And we know that we're not all that we could be. Every morning we wake up and we face that reality. But it's not just you. It is a universal problem that humans have always had and will always have in the future. I was trying to, <laughs> was trying to find a way to say that with the past, present, and future. We have always had that problem. We always have that problem. And we will always have that problem. There you fucking go. It's a universal problem. You see? But there is an answer to that problem. And then he goes on to say, love the sinner, but hate the sin. So basically, love the person committing that horrible act of malevolence, but hate the act of malevolence itself and understand, hey, you're a human being. You do dumb shit. You do bad shit. You do violent shit, right? So you have to love yourself, but hold contempt for the action itself and try to separate those two things. I believe that's what he's saying here. He says, despite the fact that you're not all that you could be, the proper attitude to have towards yourself is the attitude that you would have towards someone that you genuinely cared for. And it's incumbent on you to act as if you genuinely care for yourself. So if something is incumbent on you, it means that it is necessary for you to do that thing. It is your responsibility. It is your duty to do this thing. So if it's incumbent on you to act as if you genuinely care for yourself, it means it's your responsibility. It is your duty to act as if you genuinely care for yourself. The same way you would act towards someone else that you genuinely cared about. All right, we are at the last part of this clip, my friends. So I'm going to play it, explain a few things, and then move on to the main takeaways. Towards someone that you genuinely cared for, and that it's incumbent on you to act as if you genuinely care for yourself, just like you would act towards someone that you actually cared about, some other person. And so it's a reversal in some sense of the golden rule, right? And, and it's a discussion of why that's necessary. And also, more than that, it's a discussion of why, why you have a moral obligation to do that. It's not just that you should because it would be better for you. It's, you actually have a moral obligation to do that, I think, because you make the world a much better place, much worse place, if you don't take care of yourself. So you should bloody well take care of yourself, you know, because, well, that's what the chapter is about. That's what the chapter is about. I highly recommend you guys check out 12 Rules for Life by Dr. Jordan B. Peterson, if you haven't already. But sticking or staying on topic, because you know I often uh, get off of it. Let's stay on topic here. He says, this is a reversal, in some sense, of the golden rule. A reversal basically is, it describes changing or going in the opposite direction. So we're going north, and now we're going south. You're going, you made, you reversed, right? You're going in the other direction. You're coming back now. So it's a reversal of the golden rule. Now, I don't know what you call this in your native language, but the golden rule is a principle that you should always treat people as you would like to be treated. A lot of people refer to that as the golden rule. So it's a reversal of the golden rule. Instead of treating others the way you want to be treated, treat yourself the way you would like to be treated. Right? So it's a reversal of the golden rule. Then he goes on to say, he discusses not only why that's necessary, but he discusses the fact that you have a moral obligation to treat yourself the way you would like to be treated. When you love yourself, you actually make the world a better place. 
So you should bloody well take care of yourself. And the last thing I want to explain from that paragraph is bloody well. Now this to me sounds very British, but I guess some Canadians say things that also sound uh, British. And one of those is bloody. Like Americans don't really say that. You bloody well take care of yourself. And really all he's doing is putting emphasis on whatever he says next. So if you bloody, you should bloody well take care of yourself, it means you should really, 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 really take care of yourself. I want to put emphasis on the fact that you should take care of yourself. You bloody well take care of yourself. As an American, especially somebody who speaks in a more vulgar way, I would say you better fucking take care of yourself, you know? Which sound to me, it sounds much stronger. I don't know how bloody sounds to British or Canadian people. I don't know if they find that offensive or if it's strong or vulgar. But to me, it doesn't sound strong or vulgar at all. You know what I mean? As an American, uh, bloody well just doesn't sound offensive. But if you better fucking take care of yourself, that's definitely much stronger than you bloody well. Uh, you should bloody well take care of yourself, you know? I would, what did he say? Because you make the world a much better, much worse place if you don't take care of yourself. So you better fucking take care of yourself. That's what I should say. Or you should fucking take care of yourself, you know? Anyway, just a bit of culture there. <laughs> Excuse me. All right, let's play the last few parts of this clip before we move on. Here we go. It's partly because you have something valuable to bring into the world. That's the thing about being an individual. It's the thing that Western civilization has always recognized, that as an individual, you have a light that you have to bring into the world. And that if you don't bring it into the world, the world is a dimmer place. And that's a bad thing, because when the world is a dim place, it can get very, very, very dark. And so it's necessary, not just so that you feel better, not just so that you're a number one lobster, none, none of those things. You need to take care of yourself, because you're in the best position to do that. And it's necessary for you to take care of yourself. All right, so Jordan, again, he's saying you need to take care of yourself because it's not only good for you, it's good for the rest of the world. And it's partly because you have something valuable to bring into the world. You have something valuable to bring into the world. Basically, what he's saying is you have something valuable to introduce to the world or to show to the world or to contribute to the world. And that's the thing about being an individual. It's the thing that Western civilization has always recognized, that as an individual, you have an individual light that you can bring into the world. You have something that only you can contribute to the world. You're not just one more piece of the machine. Now, that there is definitely debatable, but it's not the point of this episode. I'm just explaining what he said. That's one thing that Western civilization has always recognized. And that if you don't bring that light into the world, the world is a dimmer place. Now, the word dimmer, D-I-M-M-E-R, dimmer, it means slightly darker, okay? That's basically what it means. So, to make the world a dimmer place means to make it slightly darker. For example, if you've gone, if you've gone into more, uh, maybe a fancier home or a fancier hotel or something like that, you might notice that some of the lights can be dimmed. You can dim, D-I-M, you can dim the lights. So instead of flicking the switch on, off, you can take this knob and turn it to the left or right, similar to the way you would do with the volume on a stereo. And the lights get slightly brighter as you turn the knob to the left or the right. And they get slightly darker or dimmer as you turn the knob left to right. 
I really hope that makes sense. But getting back to the point, what he's saying is if you don't bring your light, whatever you have to contribute to the world, if you don't bring that into the world, the world would be a dimmer or slightly darker place. Now imagine if 7 billion people did that. It would get very, very, very dark. So part of loving yourself, part of treating yourself in the same way you'd like to be treated, or I guess part of the reason you do that is because the world becomes a better place. You can then bring your light into the world, which inspires other people to do the same thing. And so then he says, it's not just so that you can feel better. It's not just so that you can be the number one lobster. Now, if you haven't read his book, that probably makes no fucking sense. But rule number one in his book is stand up straight with your shoulders back. And in that chapter, he talks about how hierarchies amongst human beings or the hierarchies that are found amongst human beings can also be found amongst lobsters who have been around for much longer than human beings. And then he goes into explaining why that's relevant and how you can use that concept to improve your life, etc., etc. But he's referring to chapter one of his book. He's not saying, or excuse me, he's saying you don't do this just so that you can feel better about yourself or be the top dog or the best or the strongest or whatever. You do it because you have a moral obligation to do that. And nobody can take care of you better than you will take care of yourself, in theory. And by taking care of yourself properly, you make the world a better place. I believe that's what he's saying here, all right? So I'm going to go back a few seconds, play the last itty-bitty part of this clip, and then we'll move on. Here we go. This is not just so that you feel better, not just so that you're a number one lobster, none, none of those things. You need to take care of yourself because you're in the best position to do that, and it's necessary for you to take care of yourself. Despite the fact that we're mortal and vulnerable and self-conscious and capable not only capable of doing terrible things, but actually do them. Despite all that, you, you're still, you still have that responsibility. And so I wanted to you know, hit the question as hard as I can to try to figure out, well, why people are, have, are contemptuous of themselves. And there's plenty of reason, that's for sure. But the reasons do not justify the mistreatment of yourself. It's as simple as that. It's not a good strategy. All right, my friends, so Jordan ends this part of the speech by saying, listen, despite the fact that we are mortal, vulnerable, self-conscious, capable of terrible things, we actually do tons of terrible things, despite all of that, you still have the responsibility to take care of yourself and treat yourself with love and kindness and respect. And so then he finishes by saying, I wanted to hit the question as hard as I can. In this case, to hit the question definitely not something you're going to hear every day, but it just means to address the question or tackle the question. And when he says hit the question, it means I want to give a very strong, concrete, mm, solid answer. I guess you can understand it in that way. I wanted to really hit the question as hard as I could with my best answer and go as deep as possible to give somebody something really palpable and tangible to walk away with. That's the basic idea. And so he's trying to figure out why people are contemptuous of themselves. So to be contemptuous means to be showing contempt, which means, <laughs> come on, don't. To be contemptuous of yourself basically means to not like yourself. If you hold some kind of contempt for yourself, it means you hold some kind of disdain for yourself. There's some reason that you do not like yourself. Okay? So he's trying to figure that out. Why do people dislike themselves? And then he goes on to say, there's plenty of reason. 
there's plenty of reason. There's more than enough reasons to dislike oneself. That's for sure. But those reasons do not justify the mistreatment of yourself. So just because you have a ton of reasons to dislike yourself or even hate yourself doesn't mean that you have the right to treat yourself poorly. Reasons for disliking yourself are not enough to justify treating yourself poorly. It's as simple as that. When you hear somebody say that, it's as simple as that. They're just emphasizing whatever they finished saying. They're saying it really is that simple. It's not complicated. It's not complex. It really is simple, just like I explained it to you. Man, I'm really having trouble talking today. Maybe it's the sickness. I don't know. The fuck is going on? But I hope this is making some kind of sense. And as always, my friend, you are supporting this podcast. You're listening to a bonus episode, which means you can hit me up on Discord at any time, but email me, do whatever you got to do. If you got questions, you can contact me. All right. But now let's move on to the main takeaways from Jordan's wise words, because basically what we're talking about in this three-part series is self-love and why it's important. And in part three, which is this episode, we're talking more about the importance of loving oneself, not necessarily how to do it, but why you have a moral obligation to do so. Because at the end of the day, I'm sure I've said in, in recent episodes, like when you're miserable, you end up making other people around you miserable. Because a lot of us have a hard time dealing with our misery properly, and we end up externalizing that misery and making other people feel bad. Even if it doesn't make us feel better, we just want other people to feel bad like we do. That's why they say misery loves company. That's why we say that, right? And so you, you have some type of moral obligation and you almost owe it to the world to treat yourself properly. Because when you treat yourself properly and you love yourself, you're happier, you're more patient, you're easygoing, you're understanding, more empathetic, less things bother you, you get mad less easily. So many positive consequences that come from treating yourself well, loving yourself, putting yourself first, you know, working through all your psychological and emotional shit. It's not just good for you. It's good for everyone around you because when you're friendlier and happier and more patient, more easygoing, more open, people around you feel good. And when you're transmitting all that light and positivity to other people, guess what happens? They internalize that and they want to go and do the same thing. I know it sounds cliche, but it's real, bro. It's real. Think about your favorite people in life. Think about your favorite people. How would you describe their personality? How would you describe their way of treating other people or communicating with the world? Would it be dark? Would it be depressing? Would it be rude or mean or arrogant? Would you use those words to describe those people? I doubt it. I doubt it. It would probably be respectful, talented, kind, funny, positive, extroverted, outgoing, respectful. I might have said that already, but you get my you get my fucking point. You'd use positive words. And when you're around that person or you listen to their music or you watch their movies or listen to their interviews or you talk to them, you feel that positivity. It makes you feel good. And I highly doubt after having such positive interactions with people like that, you're going to turn around and go be an asshole to somebody else. You're not. You're also going to be good. Right? I'm generalizing, obviously, but I'm saying I agree with Jordan's idea that 
it's almost like a responsibility to treat ourselves well because when we treat ourselves well, we treat other people well. And once you start that positive feedback loop, everybody just starts treating everybody better. The world is a better place. The same way, if you give into that misery, that depression, that anger, that frustration, that toxicity or whatever it may be, you end up spreading that. And then other people receive that and they want to spread that and the world becomes a dimmer, darker, more depressing, more dangerous, sadder environment. So we don't just love ourselves for us. We love ourselves for the people in our lives, our friends, our family, our coworkers. And then they turn around and love their friends and families and coworkers, etc. You see what I'm saying? And it isn't just about being nice. Like Jordan said in the clip, it's not about being nice. Oh, how you doing? It's not about being nice. Of course, being respectful, being kind. It's not about just, sorry. It's not about just doing whatever you think is going to please people in the moment. That is not, that is not the same thing. So it's not about being nice. It's about treating people with respect and understanding and kindness and patience. The same way you would like people to treat you with respect and understanding and kindness and patience. You know? Which is interesting because Jordan touched on it in the clip. I think the most interesting thing, arguably the, the darkest thing from this entire clip, is, is what Jordan touched on when he mentioned the fact that a lot of people will take their dogs to the vet, get the prescription medicine, then go to a pharmacy, fill the prescription, and then give the medicine to their dogs properly, but they won't do that for themselves. That's some dark shit, man. That's some dark shit. Because he even said it in the clip, Jordan said, even your dog likes you. Even your dog would prefer that you took care of yourself because if you don't take care of yourself, and you die, who's going to take care of your dog? Same thing is true if you got kids. Same thing is true if you have younger siblings. Same thing is true if you have older parents who are now sick and need you to take care of them. If you don't take care of yourself, how are you going to take care of them? And we're not, obviously, we're not just talking about physical health. We're talking about mental health as well. They go hand in hand, right? They're one and the same. That's very interesting to think about, man. The idea of taking care of yourself, not for you, but for the people that you love. Because if you don't take care of yourself, it makes it much harder to take care of the people that you love. I think that is interesting. And I also think it's true. You know? And I'm very curious to know what y'all think about this idea. Now that we have come to the last installment of this series on self-love, I'm very curious to know what y'all think about this idea. And maybe how your ideas of self-love have changed after listening to these three episodes, or maybe they've been reaffirmed after listening to the episodes. I don't know. But what ideas or words or concepts have you taken from these, these, these episodes that have changed the way that you think for the better? I'm very curious to know, y'all. So hit me up when you get a chance, man. But as always, I'm going to thank you for your time and your attention. Thank you for supporting Real English Radio. I am your host, Tony Kaizen, and I'll talk to you soon. Peace!